Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast, Very Factual. We're your hosts, Kayla. And Isabella. And the most anticipated game of Match Week 7 in the Premier League was probably the Spurs-Liverpool showdown. Both sides got off to an amazing start this season. It was well worth the wait, as Curtis Jones was sent off in the first half for a challenge on Basuma. Then Liverpool would take the lead, but VAR overturned Luis Diaz's goal, which we'll talk about a little bit later. A son then made it 1-0 for Spurs. Then Liverpool recouped and were able to level right before the first half ended with Gakpo being the man on the end of it. Then in the 69th minute, everything went worse for Liverpool as Diogo Jota received his second yellow card, putting the Reds down to nine men. Just as it looked like the game would end one apiece, Joel Matip turned a low cross by Pedro Porro into his own net. Spurs now move into second place in the Premier League table within one point of City. This game had so much to it, but the first thing I want to talk about is the Luis Diaz goal. Right after the game, the PGMOL came out and said... Quote, the PGMOL acknowledge a significant human error occurred during the first half of the Tottenham Hotspur versus Liverpool game. The goal by Luis Diaz was disallowed for offside by the on-field team of match officials. This was a clear and obvious factual error and should never have resulted in the goal being awarded through VAR intervention. However, the VAR failed to intervene. Kayla, this would... Why did they even say this? This won't change the result or anything. I don't even know. Like Even Jones and Jota, they got red cards, and it's crazy. It was very bad for Liverpool's gameplay. And the own goal that you were just mentioning, like, I feel so bad. It was, like, it was a really off game for Liverpool, but I just, I felt so bad that they had to, like, deal with that. And it was in the last minute of overtime, too. I just, I don't even know. Yeah, VAR really should have intervened in this goal. Apparently, the lines weren't calibrating or or whatever. And this we saw this happen in the United Wolves game where uh, Onana also made a challenge. But th- it literally won't change the results. So I don't know why they even bother like coming out and saying this. Like The VAR officials have to do their job. They can't just sit there and... Like, apparently there was, I read actually that there was a miscommunication between the VAR officials in the booth and the on-field referee. And it's, it's not like, it's not VAR that's the problem. It's literally the people in the booth. They're being lazy with their decisions. They're like, you're not going to make a difference by saying uh, after the game that the goal should have stayed. Like, you, you're going to make people so upset because Liverpool, they actually could have came away with a point from this game. Um, but, like, another decision that was made was the Curtis Jones red card, like you said. I actually thought it was the correct decision. I mean, I heard both sides of the story. Like, I understand. But personally, for me, he went over the ball and right into Basuma's leg with his studs out which I think that's what the referee saw. And, you know, I would probably do the same thing if I was a referee. And I actually think Liverpool looked really good and stayed strong, even with nine men on the field. Like, they took over Spurs, it looked like, in some um, areas. Like, they literally could have came away with a point from the game, but the Joel Matip goal kind of made that a difference. Both goals were 
very cheap that Liverpool conceded. Like, um, the first goal, there was really bad defending by Joe Gomez. And then the last goal that Liverpool conceded was obviously an own goal error. And now Spurs are unbeaten. They're the only team unbeaten along with Arsenal. And I... I think we have to give Spurs some credit because they have, I say this every episode, I think, they're so entertaining to watch. And I literally can't see where, like, I can't wait to see where they go. Yeah, I agree with that, too. They're very entertaining to watch. Like, I was so worried about them when Harry Kane left. Like, Son is really stepping it up, too. And, like, Spurs, they're keeping their form throughout the entire season so far. So they're very exciting to watch. Yeah, like, Postacoglu transformed this team. I, I say this every episode. I feel like I say the same thing, but it's true. <laughs> Actually, a lot of people thought that um, Liverpool would have came away with the win. And, I mean, they were close, but I thought Spurs would actually give them a tough time. I feel like Spurs could now be considered a real top six team if they keep um playing this way like they'll literally they could challenge for the title someday I mean I think City's still gonna win it but Spurs look amazing Mm -hmm. so the theme of this Premier League weekend seemed to be surprised surprises and I think one of the biggest surprises of the match week was City ending their perfect streak in the Premier League with a 2-1 to loss over Wolverhampton. Pedro Neto's goal uh, deflected off of Ruben Diaz giving Wolves the lead. Julian Alvarez then equalized for City in the 58th minute whipping in an amazing free kick to the top corner but that didn't last long as Huang Hee Chan fired in the winning goal in the 66th minute bagging the three points for Wolves. Kayla, we saw City get knocked out of the Carabao Cup by Newcastle this week, and this game looked to be a continuation of that. Yeah, it does. City lost their winning streak, as you said. Ruben Diaz scored an own goal in the 13th minute, and I thought City had a chance of at least bringing up one point to the table, but then he tried, like made it 2-1, and I knew City was at a loss once that happened. But honestly, like they continued their they continued – their Carrero Cup loss. And it's just, it's throwing me off because last episode we were saying how it was going to be an easy win against the Wolves and everything, but clearly it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. Mm -hmm. I think their midfield looked very sloppy. They have no Rodri as he is suspended. Um, Bernardo Silva's injured. Kevin De Bruyne has been injured since the beginning of the season. And they brought in Mateo Kovacic in place of Rodri. And Kovacic looked very poor, I would say. Um, City did have most of the possession and shots in the game, but they couldn't make the most of it. And I feel like that's always how it is with City. when If they're trailing or something, they always have the advantage in the game. But just the score doesn't reflect that. And like, so Nathan Ake was brought in for Guardiol on the left side. But Pedro Neto literally took apart Nathan Ake. Like, it was insane. Neto has the speed and he just, he ran over Ake. It was so easy for him. And Holland was actually, I did not even see him in the game. He did not have that many touches he did not have that many opportunities when I was watching the game I think there was only one really one or two really big chances that he had and I don't think he got much service 
in the game and everything looked very slow and off pace for City which is very unusual they definitely got beat on the counterattacks, and I thought that was very visible and I think that is a weakness of City's um and if like other teams in the Premier League and in the Champions League recognize City's weak spots it could definitely be a problem like Teams, whenever they play City, they usually sit back and defend against City because it's City, you know? They have some of the best players, and, and if they see this game, they might go after them. Mm-hmm. I also I agree with what you said about Holland. He's normally, like, a main star. He's usually City mm-hmm. star, and they're normally on pace, and they just weren't doing that in um, the game against Wolves. They weren't yeah, pacing. Ho- they weren't working together. Mm-hmm. They were just kind of playing, like, they were just playing soccer. They weren't having their usual yeah. city selves you know yeah i think city are kind of like those te- i actually <laughs> you know what's funny though i remember you you texted me right and you're like oh ruben diaz scored a known goal <laughs> da, da, da. it was not his fault do not blame him okay and then i was like i was saying like to myself i'm like you know they'll get back i wasn't even worried i thought they would win this game but they didn't and i was actually very shocked like mm-hmm. city I like I I did not believe it at all because hopefully this is one of those just like off pace games but next game they'll be back like they have um Champions League game over Leipzig this week so hopefully this was just one of those really bad results but they'll uh, hopefully they'll bounce back. Mm-hmm. On Saturday at Old Trafford, Manchester United played Crystal Palace, letting Palace leave with a zero to one win. Crystal Palace's Anderson scored in the 25th minute, a half volley deflecting off of Manchester United's Diogo Dalla. Despite Manchester United dominating possession, poor finishes created frustration, and Mason Mount has returned, guilty of midway through the second half, missing a header from Dallas Cross. Manchester United did have a chance to tie this up, but they, they just kept on missing their shots. Manchester United honestly was not doing well in front of Crystal Palace's goal, but to be fair, Palace had points where their defense was like was like a rock. All the focus right now is on Manchester United and how and how their fourth this is their fourth defeat of their Premier League season and their worst start to a campaign in 34 years. But honestly, Palace deserves all the recognition right now because their defensive play stopped the home team from playing their game. And I personally think that Rashford is not performing how he was last, not even no. close to how he was nope. last season at all. And it's a growing topic to a lot of um, news articles that Rashford, he's not doing as well as he could. And Mount playing Mm-mm. is making me so mad. He's not giving <laughs> like, the team anything. He's not. He literally missed the header that could have tied up the game for Manchester United. And it's just, he's just not playing well. It was going no. better without him. <laughs> <laughs> so I think something, so they played uh, Crystal Palace in midweek in the Carabao Cup as well, but, and Men United won that game. But the difference mm-hmm. was that that game in the Carabao Cup, they were playing like the Palace B team. Like the side was very changed. It was not the main team. And uh, on Saturday, they played like the main team. Um, there mm-hmm. was so many bad performances in this game. Like Mount, like you said, I, I don't even want him there. Like, I feel bad for you because he's, 
he he was a good player. Like he is. Like he has that in him. He's just not fitting in that system. Hopefully, he doesn't belong in Manchester United. No, it's just maybe he's just out of form right now, or something's just not clicking in the system. Fernandez also looked. Bruno Fernandez also looked very out of it. Like I didn't mm-hmm. really see him much in the game. Like I actually think Man United. This is something I realized. Like they always start off really well. But we said this last episode, when something goes wrong, it's like a like a stack of dominoes, right? One goes yep. and then everything gone. Like, there was no disrespect to Crystal Palace. I think they literally played fantastically. Oh my god. Their gosh. defense was amazing. They it, played they played really good. They were working together and everything. There was um in the first half, especially, they pressed Manchester United like crazy oh my goodness every time united lost the ball palace like capitalized it got it back and then if palace uh, lost the ball they got it back it was incredible like men united were just all in their half and palace was just at them like it was amazing and that goal oh my goodness it was so well executed it was off a corner and Oh my gosh, it was just perfection. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that Manchester United underestimated Crystal Palace going into this game, winning the the game yeah, that they yeah, played yeah. with them last week. No, not last week, earlier in the week. Uh, yeah. Um, like they were they were probably just winning. They're like, okay, well, we already won against them once. We can win against them again. And clearly that was not the case. No. <laughs> um it's just Manchester United relies a lot on like either luck or how bad the other team can play. Yeah. It's just they're not playing. Ten Hag isn't training them to play together. He's just training them to just play. And I think it's because maybe this can't be an excuse all the time, but it could be one of the factors. Like they have injuries in their back line a lot. Like Lissandro oh, yeah. Martinez, I literally read a couple hours ago that he's getting foot surgery. <laughs> Luke Shaw is out. He was supposed to be back after the international break, but he's not. Um, um, and obviously the off the field problems, like Anthony uh came back into the United squad after um, his domestic abuse allegations are pending, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with, but yeah. they might have a another Mason Greenwood situation. And this brings I me on. about Mason Greenwood. Oh my gosh, me too, though. He plays for <laughs> uh, Getafe now. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's a loan deal. And he's apparently he's doing good. Well, he wasn't a bad player. It's just it's what he just, did was what's, really bad. Yeah, what he did. And I, a lot of the women's players, this is so off topic, but a lot of the women's <laughs> players didn't even want him there either, which I completely understand. Yeah, I, like, why would you? Yeah, just, and now Anthony, that you're just letting him back like that? I Absolutely like, not. I feel like this just kind of shows how desperate United is. Oh, that that is a really good point. I think definitely. Like, it's just it just shows how much they really need someone. He's not even all too good he, compared no, to he's some not. other players. Like, like, they could survive without him if they needed to. They, I just they, feel like... They literally could. And I think the biggest problem that Ten Hag has right now is the Sancho Ten Hag showdown. It oh, is yeah. developing. Sancho is now banned 
from all Manchester United first team training facilities as he is still refusing to apologize. Sancho is currently training with one of the academy teams and is not even allowed to eat with the first team. Some of Sancho's fellow England teammates on Men United are trying to get him to apologize to resolve things with the manager. But Kayla, I don't know what that would solve. It looks like Jane Sancho's United career is over. Honestly, like I agree with you. I don't believe he will return at all. It's no. too late for an apology. If I was Ten Hag, I wouldn't accept it. He already gave him, what, two weeks he worth gave, of time? He literally gave him a chance. Like, you know, apologize? Who knows? Who knows what will happen to Sancho's career now? Like He's, he's so young, He too. dug himself into such a deep hole. Yes. He's such like a phenomenal player. It's just, I, at first, I was backing him up. Oh, for, yeah. like, the decision he made to, like, were. defend him. Yeah, to defend yeah. himself in Ten But now he took it a little bit too far. Like, he's young. And, like, he just he has so much ahead of him. And he's destroying it because he won't apologize to his manager. And even if he does continue his career and it does somehow, like, wear out and he does continue, um, I feel like his managers will constantly just, like, remember the fact that he He's kind of disrespected Ten Hag in a way. Like you have to remember that he is your manager. You you are you are the player. He is the coach. Like it's different. He, he's at a level of authority. You should apologize at some point. Yeah, I think he's literally being a child. He is. like you have a chance to apologize. So why don't you take it? And now he's doing like this one man protest. Like okay, even if he did apologize now, I don't even think he would come back. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, we backed him a lot, but now it's just getting, like, stop. It's getting annoying. Like, it's getting to the point where he just needs to, like, stop acting like a 16-year-old boy and start acting like... Swallow your pride. Swallow your pride. You're not even that good. He thought he was that good for United when he came here. It didn't work out for him. His ego completely inflated. And now he's just blaming everyone. Like, mm-hmm. say sorry, and that's it. I think you he literally ruined it for himself. And keep we keep repeating this, but he's not going to play for them. He's no, not going to play for them ever again. And if for the rare chance that he does... Very rare. He's not going to play the full game or even as much as he's supposed to. Or his players might not treat him with... His teammates might not treat him with the same respect. Like, it's just... It's going to affect his entire career for the rest of his life. And it's not just him that it's affecting right it's affecting the team Mm because all of this unnecessary drama like you're 23 years old like stop he collects 350k a week right he's Mm -hmm. just lazy like say sorry like are you actually gonna do this like this is ridiculous now and there was um, United. There was reports that United are literally looking to get him out of the door as soon as January. Like they're already linked with Federico Chiesa from Juventus and Serge Gnabry from Bayern Munich as replacements for him. <laughs> and not gonna lie, those are two really good players. Honestly, that would really help Manchester United in the situation they're in right now. Yeah, I just. Sancho, go. Who's gonna take? Doesn't respect someone who's in authority. Like who's yeah, gonna it, it, um apparently I, I saw that Barcelona were like keeping the situation at hand. Like don't bring him to Barcelona. Like no, why would you I feel like he's just gonna like not play for them, honestly. He, I don't he's, see him playing okay. for Barcelona. 
he's never going to be as big as he was. And no, I think never. his peak, I think he peaked at Dortmund, and now everything's just going downhill. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's also, you know what, maybe he's a little mad at himself for that, that, like, he's not playing as much as he used to. He's not playing to his potential that he was before. I think he and realized now that. now just kind of, like, yeah, he definitely realized that. Now he's just not, he's not respecting. He's not doing... He's not playing, he's not respecting the coach, he's not thinking clearly enough to just apologize, say a simple, I'm sorry for doing this, or Yeah, literally his teammates are literally trying to get him to apologize, because it's so dumb. (laughs) It's it's crazy, like, um, oh my goodness, I forgot what I was gonna say. (laughs) So, oh my gosh, Kayla, you say something, because I literally went blank. Wow. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I've pretty much repeated everything that I have to say about this. Well, Manchester United, actually, if they, if, um, their defense, this is, like, from before we were talking about their, you mentioned their defenses Mm -hmm. getting injured. I hope that they, next transfer next year, they get a few more defenders in there that can actually play. Mm -hmm. Because, uh, no, they can all actually play, but that is actually up to their full potential because, Seeing all the injuries, if this continues happening, Manchester United needs good replacements. Replacements that they can rely on and that they can know that it's not going to be a 50-50 chance if they'll win or lose. No, it'll be more of like a 80-20 where they will feel more sure in their defensive line. Yeah, I think, I feel like they just need a refresh. Like we said last episode that, that this, or was it last summer now? Like the summer that just was, <laughs> whatever yeah. summer that was, um, they were supposed to completely rebuild, but they did not do that. They stuck no. with the same players that were there from like a while, and I think you need to get some of them out because some of them aren't doing anything. Like, why is Anthony Martial still there? Why is Maguire why? still there? Yes, you you know what Ten Hag did yesterday. Which what? absolutely, I thought it was hilarious. He played Harry Maguire as a forward in the last <laughs> minutes of a game. <laughs> he was trying to get him to score in the correct net this time. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh! No, I I forgot all about Maguire till that England game, the England international game. Mm-hmm. I like, he's so irrelevant. Literally, <laughs> just get out, get out. <laughs> And he scored so many own goals last season and the season before. It's just, no one's going to want him. I don't know why he's still here getting a salary. Like, he doesn't deserve it. Like, what? What, what is he going to do for the club? Literally. What is he going to do for the club? <laughs> like, no, but it was so funny that he literally played him as a forward. As a forward. I should, I should go to a Manchester United game and wear my Maguire jersey so proudly. Oh, yes, be like our new number nine. Our new, <laughs> our new star, up and coming star. No, no, for real. He just needs to get out of there. Like it he is. Does. They need everyone out. Like Sancho needs to go. Like January. Sancho needs to if go. Maguire needs to go. Ugh. Yeah. If they don't get Sancho out in January, th- this club is literally horrible. Mm-hmm. Because they make all these plans, right? And then they don't execute on them. Like, they were supposed to get Harry Kane. <laughs> How did that work out? Not Apparently, really he, not well. he was too expensive. That's why they didn't go for him. So is that what they're going to do? 
I know Manchester United has money to spend on players if they really need it. And right now, they really need it. They just, I know. The Juventus thought they should get, like, one or two defensive players they can really rely on, and then one or two offensive players they can really rely on, and make sure that those four are always working together. Because then that's going to create, like, that diamond shape that always is, like, the key. Well, not the key, but it's, like, the best way to um, get goals, move up the field. And if you have those four really good players that can work together in different positions, then, you know, it'll definitely help them. But clearly they're not thinking like that. (laughs) I'm actually going to have to disagree with you. (laughs) How how dare you? (laughs) So, um... Uh, which game was it? Oh my goodness. Let me find the game. So, United's thing is not a diamond. Um, oh my goodness. I forget which game it was now. Hold on. I am going on it right now. But they absolutely got, um, they got overrun in that game because they were playing a diamond and it just, it's not their style of play. It was the Brighton game. The Brighton game. There we go. I found it. They were playing a diamond, and um, it just did not work out out for them. I don't think a diamond is their thing. I think they're more wide, and I think that's kind of what they need more wide players. But obviously, the players that they have are not good no, enough. Yeah. Well, that uh, that's what I mean. Though. The players that they have right now, that's the diamond isn't gonna work. But if they have the four players that maybe can work together and move up the field like that, then maybe it'll help them. But I just, it's, they need new players to do that. The players right now that they have, they can't do that. Mm-mm. But if they, I think if they got some new players, like four or five, they could possibly try to do that formation again. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. But They, they just need to have a clear out like Chelsea did, or Chelsea tried mm-hmm. to have. <laughs> tried to, tried to. <laughs> Arsenal played away at Bournemouth Stadium, coming home with a 4-1 to win. But Kyle Saka and Martin Odegaard scored in the first half, and Kai Havertz and Ben White scored the last two goals in the second half. Odegaard and Havertz both scored from a penalty, and finally, finally, I'm, I'm kind of happy to say that Havertz scored or did something on Arsenal. It was it it was just a penalty, but it's still something for Arsenal. And also, but- Bournemouth didn't really play their hardest. Because often I mean, when teams really try, they get yellow cards or even red cards. And I was looking at the um, on the on Premier League app that um, Bournemouth had nothing, like literally nothing, no goals, no yellow cards, no, like nothing. I could tell just from seeing that that they weren't playing to their potential against Arsenal. Yeah. Um. So actually, for the Kai Havertz, um, quote quote goal, I guess. <laughs> um. You know what was so funny. So, Bakayo Saka was going to take the penalty, right? Martin mm-hmm. Odegaard went to Bakayo Saka and told him to let Kai Havertz take it just so he can have a little <laughs> a little <laughs> lift. Like, what is that going to do? He's, he's not, It's not going to change his form. Like, one little penalty? No. I absolutely mean, not. I mean, maybe it's because a lot of people have been kind of bashing on him. At Arsenal, That's why it was. Us. That's what it was. But it's not going to change anything out here. But yeah, it's not going to change. And if anything, it might like like what you just said. It's just going to maybe change our opinions to like he needs this to make him look good. Yeah, that's literally. Like he needs a penalty to make him look good. That's literally why it was. I think obviously I don't think we were expecting anything else from this game. 
Oh, no, I was expecting Arsenal to win. For yeah, sure. maybe not that big of a win, which was also another surprise. But, uh, you know, they did good. I think Martin Odegaard looked amazing, and he has been just keeping on that form. And now what Arsenal have to do, they have to go to France on Tuesday to play Lens, and I think that will also be quite an easy game for them. And Arsenal mm-hmm. have just... They're... They're keeping their form from last season. Like, they are flying. They are. I feel like last season, like, there were most of the – more games were more uh, – how do I word this? They were more put together. Once in a while, Arsenal will have, like, an off game, which is, like, normal for a team. Yeah, you can't be perfect in this, all the time. Really, you can't be perfect all the time. But I could tell in Arsenal last year they were definitely more put together and more ga- more often, I should say. They're more often, they were more – put together yeah for me I'm just really hating on Arsenal at the moment (laughs) I always have a team that I am in like I hate and it it switches off sometimes it's City sometimes it's Spurs sometimes it's Manchester United (laughs) not sometimes it's always it's always Manchester United it's just because Kayla likes them there's literally no other reason and (laughs) and there's so that club is a mess like right now they're a mess I'll, I'll agree with that yeah um so I am not a fan of Arteta for taking out Ramsdale for David Raya. I have made that very clear. Like, he literally played Ramsdale in the Carabao Cup game. Like, that's what you do for a number two. So I think Raya is now the number one. <laughs> um, Which, I mean, that is kind of disappointing because I did like Ramsdale, but I also like Raya. Like, I have nothing against either goalie or nothing. I don't have one specific reason why I like the other goalie more. They're both top They're both top goalies they both have a lot of potential in them it's just Ramsdale has been with the team the club more yeah but I feel like this is like Raya's chance now it's not it's not like Ramsdale isn't playing at all like he still plays yeah like in the cup games so now he is officially a number two when you play cup games you are number two yeah so which is really sad because I don't I want to know why he took him out like like I said last episode I want to know if there was a reason or just because Arteta wants to be quirky. (laughs) I think Bukayo Saka looks amazing. I think he is the star boy. Like, that is literally his nickname, and it is Mm well-deserved because he is incredible. He is so young, and he has so much to accomplish. I absolutely love Bukayo Saka. I had him as, like, the top Your player player of your season. Your player of the season, Like, he's... And I totally see him being at least nominated or, like, one of the top picks for that. It's just he's doing so well this season. And it's just it, – it's my expectations. I didn't expect less from him, honestly. So one of the biggest surprises of this match week yet again was Luton Town getting their first win of the Premier League season. <laughs> it was surpri- – it was – Against Everton, and Everton have looked like they've been on the up, but when you lose to Luton, I guess not. Um, <laughs> Luton somehow managed to get two goals <laughs> and three points, and I was actually very shocked. Um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin scored the only goal for Everton. Um, Lockyer scored in the 24th minute, and Carlton Moore scored in the 35th minute, and I was actually very shocked. And if Everton do not win their... Next Premier League game, I think Sean Dyche, the manager, will be under very much pressure as he has been all season. But I think the biggest surprise of this weekend was 
Aston Villa winning over Brighton six to one. Mm-hmm. What? Ali Watkins got the hat trick. Estupinian scored an own goal. Jacob Ramsey scored in the 85th minute. And Douglas Luiz scored in the 97th minute. And Ansu Fati, a Brighton player, I mean, Barcelona player, former Barcelona player, I should say, scored his first goal. I was actually very shocked at this result because Brighton have been amazing this season. Yes, I mean, so has Aston Villa, honestly. They've been kind of overachieving a little bit this season. And Ollie Watkins is on a roll. He's honestly doing so well in Villa right now. He's definitely one of their stars at the moment. I think I think he's going to send a message to Gareth Southgate saying, hey, you should have me in the England squad, you know? I mean, I think- why doesn't he play him? I have no idea, but he plays Barely. Like, yeah. Like, you, you call up Maguire, you call up Calvin Phillips, you call up Jordan Henderson, that... <laughs> Like, Maguire and Calvin Phillips don't play. Henderson's in Saudi Arabia, so he's irrelevant now, and he's towards the end of his career. But you don't call him Ollie Watkins? Are you serious? so... Like... It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But something that was surprising, though, was literally Brighton have been amazing. Like, 4-1 over Wolves, Mm -hmm. 3-1 over Newcastle, 3-1 over United, 3-1 over Bournemouth, and you lost 6-1 against Villa? Clearly, it was an off game for them. But yeah. it was like really off. Like it was six to very one shocking. Is crazy, especially in the Premier League where it's like top teams, top players. Yeah, like last weekend we saw um Newcastle beating Sheffield United 8-0, and now it's six to one. And Arsenal won 4-0 over Bournemouth. Like I feel like these score lines kept getting higher and higher and higher. <laughs> and I think we praise Roberto De Zerbi so much, but I was literally not expecting this at all. Oh, yeah. Like, it's crazy because Mitoma has been amazing for Brighton. Um, Evan Ferguson, the 18-year-old, has been amazing for Brighton. The back line has looked amazing. And then I think I don't think anyone. I was looking at this game thinking it would be would be a tight game, maybe like two one or something. I thought Brighton was going to win. I'm being completely honest, but mm-hmm. you lose six to one. Like I thought. I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say I thought. Um, I didn't exactly think Brighton was going to win, but I didn't think that it would be six to one. I thought it'd be more like a two to two game, mm-hmm. maybe two to one. I don't know which team would have the two goals, but it, like something like a closer scoreline. Not six to one. Six to one is absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah, and then some other games in the Premier League. Newcastle beat Burnley 2-0 at home. Um West Ham United beat Sheffield United 2-0. And then Nottingham Forest uh tied Brentford one to one. And we had no Chelsea today, as you can <laughs> as you might have been able to tell. Chelsea actually play on Monday, October 2nd against Fulham. And my prediction is Chelsea are going to lose. Even yep. though they won against Brighton midweek well, in the Carabao Cup, which was very shocking actually. <laughs> I have this feeling in my gut that Chelsea will step it up a little bit and they'll <gasps> no tie. Way. And they'll tie. No not way. lose, but tie. Wow. But you never know. I might have just jinxed them and they I... might lose 6-1. to one, but... <laughs> I know. I, can- I actually forgot that Chelsea beat Brighton yeah. 1-0. I mean, 1-0. That is... <laughs> We're getting we'll see. now. Um, 
it's a it's technically a London derby. Mm-hmm. But I just I have this feel I don't I'm not getting anything from Chelsea. Maybe they'll win. Maybe they'll literally shock me, but I'm just not feeling anything from this team. And we also have this week we have Champions League. Um some of the biggest games I would say is uh Man United is taking on Galatasaray at home at Old Trafford. I am so excited to see how that plays out. (laughs) Napoli are taking on Real Madrid. So excited to see Jude Bellingham again. He looked amazing uh, at the weekend. Goal assist, of course. We were not expecting anything less. Um, Dortmund take on AC Milan. Newcastle take on PSG at St. James's Park. So it's a home game for Newcastle, and I'm actually very excited to see this game. I wonder if Newcastle have stepped it up a bit because it looked like they have in their last few bit. games. I mean, they played some easy teams, I would say, but I want to see them against PSG. And then mm-hmm. uh, Leipzig take on Manchester City and Manchester City actually thrashed Leipzig. I believe it was 7-1 or 7-0 last season, but maybe City's lack of form will stop them from reaching those numbers because Leipzig have been amazing. They tied with Bayern Munich 2-2 two to two on Saturday and Porto take on Barcelona. Kayla, what is probably the, the game that you're looking forward to the most? Definitely the PSG Newcastle one mm-hmm. because PSG is a very good team, but we've mentioned before that they are very ego-filled. Yeah. And Newcastle, I feel like they're just definitely going to put on like their best uh, their best plays on the because it's at home. The it's field. at home. Yeah, I feel like they're just they're really gonna put in there. Also, since it's at home, the fans will be mm-hmm. really there to support them. I just feel like it's gonna be a good game to see that. Yeah. What do you? What is your prediction for the Galatasaray Man United game? I honestly, <laughs> I honestly, can't even say. Like... I can't even tell you because inconsistent. And I don't really follow, what is it, Gal- Galatastra? Yeah, it's a Turkish team. Yeah, I they... know of them. I just don't follow them enough to know enough. But I'm going to guess that it's probably going to be like a really close game. Um, Galatasaray actually have looked pretty good <laughs> this season. I mean, it is a Turkish league. Yeah. So that might, but they have always been kind of like the biggest maybe out of Europe's top leagues. One mm-hmm. of those bigger teams. So I am actually... Very excited to see how this goes. I think it might be... I'm going to say 2-0 Galatasaray. 2-0 Galatasaray. I'm going to go with 3-1 Galatasaray. (laughs) 3-1? I'm giving giving Manchester United a goal, but I don't believe that they'll win unless they really step it up. Yeah, you're going to be like me with Chelsea. You're not going to believe it when they win. I I think the one I'm most excited for is Napoli Real Madrid. I think Napoli, there has been problems at Napoli with their striker, mm-hmm. Victor Osiman. Um, it is just a mess. I can't even tell you what's going on from the beginning. Um, but I'm very excited to see Jude Bellingham once again. Literal legend. Like, he is a legend already. <laughs> he is. I, I love him so much. I'm so excited to see him play. I'm always excited to see the games that he's in because I know he always brings his best. Yeah, so I the, know it's always going to be a good game. Yeah, the assist that he got yesterday was literally mm-hmm. 
copy and paste to Luka Modric and the fact that he's playing alongside Luka Modric in the same team is incredible. He got his goal, which I you, you're not even surprised when he scores anymore. Like no, it's it like is, it's like oh, you know, it's an expectation. You, you know his celebration where he just lifts his hands up and he's like, I'm here. I'm yep. here. I and he actually scored his earliest goal yesterday. He scored in the 71st minute. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> I know. We're so used to seeing like 90 minute goals from him, but it was the last goal of the game too, which <laughs> it's it's so Jude Bellingham like. That is. So that's all we have for you today, really. Like yep. there's nothing really else to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, so thank you everyone for listening today. Please follow our Instagram and YouTube at Very Factual Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode.